I think teens get a bad rap and quite often a lot of parents go, my, my teenager this, my teenager that. But teenagers' bodies are changing. They need more sleep. They can sometimes grunt a lot. But, you know, it's so lovely to have teenagers, the conversations you can have and watching them make their own choices, decide what they want to do with their lives and really start to become independent. It's just fa- It's just fantastic. That was Andy McNeely. I'm Rich Bolas, and this is the Dad Mindset Show. Educator, speaker, coach, and author, Andy McNeely is back on the show to discuss his second book, Connecting With Your Teens. Now, not only has Andy worked in education for 20-odd years, but he and his wife, Sandy, have brought up three children who have now gone through or are just finishing going through their teenage years. And one of the things that Andy's most passionate about is the importance of having strong, connected and nurturing relationships. And, and that's why he continues to do the work he does. I hope you really enjoy this chat with Andy McNeely. Andy McNeely, welcome back to the show. Oh, I can't believe I'm back. This is uh, the third time I've been on the show. I think, Rich, is that correct? Um, I think it's just, yeah, yeah, to be honest, I can't even remember now. Definitely the second, but I, I think it's, you know, in line with your, the books that you publish. So I only get on your show when I publish a book. Pretty much, but that's, that's fine. Cause I've just finished reading, okay. connecting with your teens and I really enjoyed it. Made me laugh out loud at least three times and all for the right reasons. Well, um, that's, uh, great. That's good. Great. <laughs> Thank you. So tell me about it. Like what, how would you sum up? The book. So my first book, Connecting With Your Kids, uh, is is similar to Connecting With Your Teens. They both have similar themes, but obviously different uh, ages for your children at home or the children that you're teaching in the classroom. So both books are about learning executive skills, skills like gratitude, reading body language, um, uh, empathy, mindfulness, problem solving, collaboration, all those sorts of skills that employers are looking for and the skills that really help us thrive and survive in our lives. Um, we learn, in schools we learn, you know, maths, reading, writing and schools do a great job of teaching that and sometimes um, the those skills aren't taught as well and this Book connecting with the teens and connecting with your kids is about teaching your kids those executive skills, and it's not like you must do this, this or that. It's teaching them through fun. So the title "Connecting with Your Teens" is about making connection, building relationships, and having fun together. And that's what the book's about: having fun, doing stuff together, and you actually also learn those skills, and it helps um, build resilience. Within, with our teens uh, so they can face those challenges because life's full of challenges. You and I face them every day. We still face them. Even at my age, at 56, I'm still facing those challenges. So we want, I want to, for my kids and everyone, to be able to bounce back. Well, I would I would actually posit, Andy, that it's not just for like connecting with your kids and, and sort of teaching your kids executive skills. I'd say it's actually for teaching the kid inside you these executive skills because I, I reckon the majority of us adults still don't have it together and 
that's why, you know, some of the times I laughed out loud because I was thinking, oh, yeah, that's something I could really do work, working on. And um, so I was actually look, reading it from a selfish perspective. Yeah, I, I agree. Because I, you know and I know that we are really good at some things and some things we're not so good at. And, and the thing that I've uh, probably in the last few years I've become much better at is listening. Quite often in the conversation, I will butt in. And even in this podcast, you and I sometimes are going to go uh, 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 butting in, and I'm still working on that, waiting and taking taking my turn, which is which is for me as a skill. So as as the listeners will hear, I'll be butting in or I'll be going, uh, 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 trying to wait for you to finish. I'm still working on it, still not so good at that one. Well, it's killing me to not butt in right now because I wanted to say something halfway through that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it is. It's a real superpower. Exactly. Part. I I heard a great one yesterday. The the way to actually practice this listening skill is to nod your head and then raise your eyebrows. <laughs> and so, so if you do that, the, as a, having a bit of fun and then just see how long you can last before you say something, and it it it, it puts you in a good frame frame of mind when you're focusing on someone with your eyebrows raised and nodding your head. <laughs> Yeah, but I wonder if I wonder if I'd be focusing on my eyebrows and nodding my head, and I wouldn't be listening. Then I'm going. I'm still <laughs> nodding my head. I'm still raising my eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was the what was the most fun part about writing the book, Andy? Because it, it's a lay. The first one you said was like quite a quite a mission. It was a new thing for you, and now you're a dab hand at this authorship. So, second time round, what what was the difference? Yep, the. Uh, the, this, the format is similar uh, to the first book. The biggest change in the second book, apart from the themes being more adolescent-focused, is uh, there's a bit less about me and more stories. So I've been doing a lot of work with um, uh, workshops, uh, working with teachers and also to presenting at conferences about the importance of stories. So stories to build relationships, stories to teach lessons, stories to illustrate uh, your point. <clears throat> the stories in the book aren't from me. I, I have There's 48 chapters, four chapters per month, and each chapter has a story. So there's 48 different stories from people around the globe when they were teenagers. Stories from people who are really well known in their field. There are stories from people who are just the average mum and dad. Uh, stories from my kids. There's stories from you, Rich, uh, about something that happened when they were a teenager. And that story illustrates that executive skill in that chapter. So that was probably the most fun part of the, the book because I was just listening to people. And what I found was so interesting when I talk to people and said, hey, I'd love to interview you and get a story from a book. People would say, oh, I'm not very interesting. I haven't really got any stories to tell. That is, there's 48 stories in the book and I would totally disagree with them all. All of those stories, <laughs> as simple as they are, uh, they illustrate that point and they're just amazing stories and people have amazing stories. Once you start talking to people, everyone has a little story to tell. And from that, uh, from those stories is born is my uh, next goal is uh, creating a podcast of those stories. Great. Can't wait. It was really interesting because as you're reading the book, 
you have obviously the introduction to the concepts, like you talk about, say, siblings, and then you have, um, you know, the the story, and then you have like the the things you can try with your kids. Or um, so you've got those three items that and, and a quote in there. But I really like the way the stories sort of hidden emotional string pulled at the heartstring or something. And that for me really embedded what you were talking about. So it's actually genius to sort of structure it that way, I think. And some of the stories really did tug at the heartstrings. I read one to the kids in the car, not when I was driving, but when Sarah was driving, but, um, about, you know, one of the, the guys who had, um, let me get it right. He was playing footy at a very high level. He was only 14 though. He's playing with guys and he yeah. had his brother run onto the pitch uh, you know, quarter, three quarter time or something, just to tell him he how good he was doing, and he was doing really well. And his brother was huddled with the men, trying to act bravado and everything. He turned to his brother and told him to get off the pitch. You know, he, he wasn't interested in what he thought, and that was the last thing he ever said to his brother because his brother got hit by a drunk driver that night on the way home, and so he was just devastated, like that he had not shown interest in his brother's feedback at that point but what an what an incredibly devastating way to learn that lesson and and the so the stories had those really poignant tales that really hammered home some of the concepts yeah that that is is a particularly heartfelt story that one and uh that the man who told that story john he's a he's a beautiful man and i've actually worked with him um, and I'm actually writing a book with him. My next book is going to be with John. And it's about relationships, quality relationships matter. Um, so that's the next book that we are doing. Well, I'm co-authoring with, with John. I've, I've got my um, publishers given me a deadline, so I've actually got to – I've made a start, so I've got to get moving. So I've, I've got, a, <laughs> got a bit to do for this next book anyway. So that, that might be the next interview, um, Rich. Coming up, I've got to get going so I can get onto your podcast, more the point. <laughs> but it was interesting because the thing that came out, we learned so much more about you, Andy, because there's definitely a recurring theme around socializing and not doing schoolwork. And and I just want to ask, like, what was the what was the inflection point when you became a teacher then? Were you saying that I didn't do any schoolwork when I didn't and then I changed? Well, that's that's what comes across in the book, because you're always talking about not wanting to do you know, not wanting to be at school because it's boring, and then you wanted to just socialize. You didn't want to do jobs around, the, you know, homework and things like that. You wanted no. to socialize. <laughs> well, that, that that was me to a T, just like didn't have I, – I don't think I had any um, – for me, I was sort of left to my own devices as a kid. You know, mum and dad split, and um, everyone had a lot of stuff going on. I was just wandering around doing my own stuff, so – uh, it did change for me when I became a teacher and when I had kids, I thought, how can I help my kids be uh, the best version of themselves they can be? How can they um, be successful, whatever success is, but what the goals that they want to achieve and uh, to be kind people who can um, think of others and contribute. So I think that's a, a really, uh, that's the, probably the turning point for me thinking about having uh, having kids myself and then getting into teaching, making a difference. Yeah, because you, you mentioned that split between your parents and you ended up having a ton of siblings as well, didn't you? Yeah, I don't know how many siblings I've got. It's pretty complicated. I've got this. Mum and Dad had there's four of us, and then Dad remarried and had three, and then Dad split and met someone else who has two. And in the meantime, Mum had a 
got married with to someone who had two kids and he died and then she had a boyfriend who had two kids. I, I, so I don't know. I'm, I'm a bit confused. I've got siblings, <laughs> lots of them. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I mean, I take it that, you know, when you were growing up then, did you? F- what was that like? Did, do you think you ended up becoming such a, like a teacher and wanting to really help kids become the best versions of themselves because maybe you didn't have that support when you were young maybe? Is that the case? Um, or do you think it was something else? Maybe. Maybe I don't. I'm not sure. That could that could be part of it. Um, that could be part of it. But I, I, I worked in hospitality for a long time, and I really enjoyed that service. Uh, I just I like being of service to other people, and I think hospitality was great. So people go out and they have a good time. And you help them to enjoy their time. Um, but I think helping kids at a pivotal age, you know, uh, when when they're growing and developing, I think that was that's that's probably the teaching part of it, you know, to to help those kids develop. And as I as I became, uh, you know, really engrossed in my teaching, I, I did notice that the schools weren't teaching those executive skills so well. So I started to teach those things and think about relationships because a strong relationship. If you have a great relationship with your kids in the classroom or at home. Or if they talk about the classroom to start with, you know, no matter what you say or do with them, they just love you and they want to do the best they can for you. And I'm not saying that means you can get them to work harder, but they just, the relationship's key. So when they're having a struggle or a challenge, they trust you and you can help them. Or, you know, if they're doing the wrong thing in the outside in the yard, you can say that's not on and help them, but they know you have the best interest, their best interests at heart. I think that's um, the relationships. And then that sort of turned around for the stories, the stories to to illustrate that and and building those relationships um, in the classroom or at home or at work, wherever it is. You know, you know, you know, we all know at work, those people we work with, we've got a good relationship, we like them. They might not be the best at the job. Someone else might be better at the job. But, but if you have those strong relationships, you just like them. You know, you, you've been to job interviews or you might have interviewed people and go, gee, I like that person. There's something about them I really like them and they might get the job over someone who, who has more skills or has a better resume. So they, I think that de- developing those relationships and helping others to develop relationships is, is key. Um, Donna Cross, she, West, Western Australia, she, she Western Australian of the Year quite a few years ago, she said uh, relationships are the number one predictor of a long and happy life. Well, that was like that Harvard study, wasn't it? That was carried out over, I think it's something like 60 years where they got guys to actually report back in every year following their graduation. And it turned out that, you know, it's actually the social networks as in the, the, the the relationships and the, the socializing that they did that predicted longevity more than anything else. Yeah, and the ones who were uh, living alone or more isolated had uh, a, a less, they had less satisfaction in their life, less happiness, uh, and sometimes shorter lives. Yeah. Now, just to turn back a little bit, Andy, you mentioned working in the service industry, and that was one of the recommendations that you had with the family to actually, you know, because a lot of what you suggest, uh, sort of little games or activities to to play that sort of you know, touch on a point that you've made in each chapter. But I like the one where it's everyone takes it in turn to be the waiter. 
And I think you could have a lot of fun with that one, you know, because you could definitely do it the yeah. first night and really ham it up. But then, like, it's the turn of the other people. And maybe, you know, there could be a tip at the end of the end of the night, depending on how well they did, you know, that sort of thing. I reckon you could yeah. really have some fun with that. Yeah, you, a, lot, a lot of the things, like like that one, for example, a lot of the things in the book are fun and simple and cost nothing and you don't really need any equipment. So you could actually think, I want to do something in 10 minutes or five minutes. Open the book at any random page. That, for each each chapter, each executive skill, there's 10 ideas. And you can go, look for it, go, no, that's rubbish. That's rubbish. That is useless, that one. <laughs> oh, there you go. That one's perfect for my family. I can do that in 10 minutes. With 10 ideas, there's there's one there that's guaranteed, you're guaranteed to go, I can do that, and I don't need anything. I mean, the most things you need might be a deck of cards or uh, things that you would have. You might not have a deck of cards. You might not have texts at home. You might not have paper. I mean, you probably do. You've probably got Netflix subscription or Google. Most things you'll have and you can you can do these activities with very little planning or thought or money. Easy, accessible. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like the one, I think it was in negotiation and um this is one of the ones that made me laugh out loud is like try to get your kids to say no and i was like oh i could get them to say no easily <laughs> just say hey would you like yeah. to do the washing up or something like that um but the the way what about what about if you said to them would you like to would you like to not do the washing up <laughs> turn around <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah yeah see i've just interrupted but, you but, there I could tell because your eyebrows weren't high, Andy. But no, the um, I love the the line that you then threw in there of of like if they if you ask them to do something, but instead of them saying ah oh, nah or just oh, why would I want to do that whatever, you could actually give them a bit of a script to to rehearse. There's like thanks for the offer, but I actually would rather not do that right now but thanks for thinking of me you know something having a really positive way to say no yep. to things which is actually a really useful skill because i don't know depending whether you've got people pleasing uh you know tendencies or whatever having a very good way of saying no but in a polite way is is a superpower that is a skill that a lot of adults have trouble with a lot of adults a lot of us have troubles just saying no but no, it's okay to say no. And sometimes we think, oh, I shouldn't say that. They might think badly of me. What, what will, maybe it'll come back to bite me later on. Things, they might do something differently if I say no, but you can say no. If someone asks you a question or requests something of you, no is, is a fair answer. But sometimes too, if we ask someone else and they say no, it's like, what? What? How do I handle that? How do I handle it if I ask you to do something, Rich, and you say no? I can say, yeah, no problem. Or I can go, well, what do you mean? I thought you'd say, yes, what do I do? This is really bad. Rich doesn't like me. Oh, 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 all this sort of stuff going <laughs> in your head, you know. Yeah. And that's why I think the the activities are actually more for our, training our own little inner child, uh, you know, because I think these are, these are things that we all need to practice and hone uh, and learn for the first time in some cases, definitely for me. So, uh, so thanks for that, Andy. It's been great. Um, As a parent too. For me, I, I continually, you know, muck things up. Uh, you know, I've got three kids, two adults and a 16-year-old now, and I, I still muck things up all the time, and my kids are really good at telling me. I do muck them up, so, you know, they're, they're good things for me to practice too. 
So what do you think you're winning at at the moment in the parent stakes? Um, I would say winning at my kids, the independence that they have uh, is fantastic. So Finn has just finished his VCE, got a really good score. He did all the study. I never said you should do your homework, never. Sandy and I never said you should do your homework. He did it. It's, it's his life. He's got to do it. And he actually worked really hard and he's moving up to Brisbane to study nursing paramedicine. He's moving up next week. So he's an 18-year-old who says, I'm going to do something different, different, move up, move out. I'll be right. He can cook. He can clean. He can organise. He can get himself a flat. He can get himself a job. Uh, and he's just going. So that's just um, why where I think I've done really well as a parent, both myself and Sandy. And Daisy's just finished her degree in nursing. She's going off tomorrow on a trip to South Australia with three friends. Then she's going to Thailand. She's she's been over to Europe on her own, so she's really independent. Um, Monty, he's still he, he's very independent. He, he um, heads off. He get, gets himself to work and back. Uh, he's got a lot of dreams, aspirations, but he's getting himself organised. He's sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, Oof, I don't know, I'm not sure he, because of his dreams are um, of parachuting and anything dangerous. And But he's sort of now thinking, and he wants to get a motorbike, but I can't say anything because I've got one. Um, but he's getting himself organised to study his aviation degree to become a pilot. So, you know, that's, I think, their independence, which is something that I'm really proud of. Probably the other thing I think I'm winning at i'm doing really well or we're doing well as a family it's just we like spending time together a lot of those games and stuff that that a lot of the stuff in the book come came from all the things that we've done at home over the years we're board game and card game players so we play a lot of games so we just sit sit at the table some nights and play games instead of watching a movie or watching telly just someone say yeah let's get that game out and let's play so that's just been the time together is really great so what's the most popular game du jour? At the moment is a game called Carbo and another one called Ticket to Ride Europe. So the one, Ticket to Ride Europe is a, is a board game. There's some strategy, but you don't you don't know the score until the end, so that's really good. So you, you can't really be watching their score and checking your score, so that's that's great. And Carbo is a thinking game. You've got four cards and you've got you've got it flip to and you got to remember what they are and there's cards you can swap with someone else or look at some cards or look at someone else's card and it's a lot of if you don't concentrate and you forget your cards you're gone so that's a carbo really good game they're the two games at the moment we're playing i'll have to check out carbo because actually ticket to ride europe we picked up from an op shop last week when we moved up here and it's been epic Really good fun. Loving it so far. It's so much more involved than just Ticket to Ride, which we also love. So I can't recommend it highly enough. What about Carbo? Uh, is it C-A-R-B-O or V-O? C-A-B-O. Ah, how do you play that? C-A-B-O. A deck of cards, really simple. It's just, you, so you do like the cards, you've got four cards in front of you. you. You can look at two cards. That's it. And so then you take a card from the deck and you can replace it with any card you look at it replace it and there's some cards you put down so you for example if i was playing with you and you put a two down and i had a two i could put a two down 
So I try and get rid of my cards as quickly as I can. And as soon as you say Carbo, everyone gets one more turn, then you add up your score at the end. So you, you have to get the least score. And right, so it's, it's a, a bit, bit like of, Uno. There's some speed. and think yeah, kills Uno, way better than Uno. Right. It's, t- it's concentration because you don't <laughs> know what all your cards are and you, yeah. you're trying to find out what they are by getting some peak cards or spy cards. You can look at other people's cards. But, um, yeah, I recommend it. I, I don't know. I don't. We got it from our friends, our friends who live in Germany. Every time they come over, they give us a new card game or board game. And this is the latest one that's just fantastic. Get on. Awesome. Home. So, all right. So, you've got Tickets to Ride Euro, mm. uh, Europe and you've got Carbo. Yep. What previously yep. to that had been the number one game for you guys? Uh, Settlers of Catan. Uh, yeah, yeah. We you know talked about that last time. Yeah, yeah. And we've played that quite yeah, a bit yeah. too. Good one. That's a good one. Yeah, great. And again, that we play with friends. We once a week we go to their place. They come to our places. Canasta. Another great game. Ah. No, I don't know that one at all. What's that? Yeah, Canasta. Do you know five hundred? Nope. Okay, so it's. Oh, it's not similar, to, but it's a sort of card game where you've got to make uh, a sequence of cards you can put down, like sevens, groups of sevens, groups of eights, kings, queens, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and get points by having um, having a certain amount of cards. And um, there's a there's a bit of skill, there's a bit of bit of memory, but there's also uh, a bit of luck. So oh, it's nice. got it's it's a it's a nice game that you can play and have a chat and then you're not chatting for a while playing playing cards and um that that's always a good one and as as a classroom teacher for many years te- teaching maths and collaboration and taking turns and listening and all of those things games hands down I mean I, I reckon I reckon every day in the classroom at schools Kids should play games like that for an hour every day. That's what I reckon. Every day, games. They learn so much from them, and, yeah, I, and they as actually enjoy themselves. Too, I, I think, yeah, yeah, yep. Our, I reckon our kids have a lot learnt a lot of skills by playing games. A lot yeah. of skills. Yeah, and it's time Problem together, solving, isn't it? You know, you like build... a, time together. Yeah, yeah, yep. So there's so much in games. Yeah, I love it. That that sort of period straight after dinner, we really try and sort of highlight that as like, okay, what games should we play now? And it's we go through phases where there's nothing for weeks and weeks, and then we get back on it. But when we're in that that zone, and like every night after dinner, there's a game. It's ace. It's so good. Yeah, it is great. And sometimes we're a bit like that too. Sometimes we play, sometimes we don't. But then the because sometimes the kids are busy and they don't want to do anything. But for me, the thing is, uh, when your kids become a bit older, run saying, "Who wants to play a game tonight?" Sometimes, sometimes like, "Yeah, yeah, you'll play," but sometimes, uh-huh, not sure. So I just leave a game or two on the table. It just sits there, and everyone walks past it, and someone else will say, "Who wants to play?" That's all you need to do. It's just a reminder of <laughs> a game, even if that game's there, and they want to play another one. It's a, it's a reminder. Yeah, you're priming the environment. It's just like when you're trying to stop eating chocolate, you take all the chocolate out of the house. You're doing the opposite. You're just putting games all around the house. (laughs) There you go. Priming the environment. I'm priming the environment. Now, Andy, I did want to ask you, because 
Last time we spoke, and this wasn't on the chat, you mentioned you were getting a new bike for bike touring. Have you done any bike touring recently? Uh, yes, I went to Warburton uh, for just a couple of days. It was just a gravel bike riding around there, beautiful countryside just before Christmas. Really, really enjoyable. But we just did, we put the tents up and did some base, base camping. Was that the, the Warburton Trail? Some of it, yep. And there's another one um, on an aqueduct. I can't think what it's called. I can't think it was cool, but but all around Warburton, it was great. Wow. Well, that's great. We actually took a leaf out of your book, um, not not on bike touring, but in uh, taking a trip, and that sort of partly inspired us last year. But um, your advice when I asked, uh, what advice do you have for traveling around Australia in three months? And you said, take 12 months. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, so, speaking, um, of, speaking of bikes and touring too, I went, uh, I got, was to say, I said before I got my motorbike, um, a motorbike about a year ago, I went down to Tassie for a week with a mate on a motorbike to get up, just to get away from everything. And it was just fantastic. So, uh, I recommend motorbikes, but not so good for spending time with the family, but, um, a lot yeah. of fun. But I mean, we did touch on that thing about trips as well, though. And the one-on-one trips is gold. So many people that yep. listen to that podcast have actually gone off and done that, and sort of like gone on one-on-one overnighters or like a trip somewhere, and just said the utility of just having that one-on-one time and even letting the child choose and plan and decide was really, really valuable. So thanks for that one. That was a great one, Andy. That's a pleasure, and I'm actually Finn and I are going to Malaysia in June for three weeks together. So he'll he'll fly from Brisbane, or we'll meet in meet in Malaysia. So it's um, really nice when your eighteen year old kid still wants to spend a bit of time with his dad, uh, like three weeks together. That's just great. I mean, a lot of eighteen year olds I think say, oh, "Nick, off, I'm, I don't want to spend time with you." So that's that's a really nice thing. I feel feel really honoured that he wants to spend some time with me. Wow, that's no mean feat. Yeah, <laughs> well done, Andy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I don't. Well, so maybe next time, next time you you interview me, it mightn't be so good. But I'm fingers, I'm fingers crossed. We'll see how we go. <laughs> now, after I just want to close out on talking about the book, really, because I wanted to know what have you sort of learned from compiling this whole thing, like this you know, combining, connecting with your teens, because it's almost, it, it reading the book, it feels like it's coming to the end of the journey of your parenting in a very hands-on way. So you, you're going to be stepping into a new era now, aren't you, as your kids transition into adulthood. So what are you, what have you taken from this sort of teen period and how do you think it's going to be different moving forward? Um, I think teens get a bad rap. And uh, quite often, a lot of parents go, my, my teenager this, my teenager that. But teenagers' bodies are changing. They need more sleep. They can sometimes grunt a lot. But, you know, it's so lovely to have teenagers, the conversations you can have and watching them make their own choices, uh, decide what they want to do with their lives and really start to become an in- independent. It's just fa- it's just fantastic. I think to the the next stage, uh, a couple of people suggested a, a couple of other books is connecting with your adult kids, because sometimes we drift apart uh, as as adults. You know, uh, 
as kids become adults, they can drift apart from their parents. And then someone suggested connecting with your grandchildren, you know, because sometimes grandchildren, grandparents don't know how to relate to people who are so much younger than them, you know. And I know we all might say, like, these days, oh, they're all kids are always on their phone, or they're always this, or they don't do this. It's different when I was when I was a kid. But I would say when I was a, a kid back in the the seventies, my grand grandparents would be saying the same thing. Oh, you know, they're so different. They are. We are. We're all so different. You know, there's there's sixty years apart, fifty years apart sometimes. So I think that grandparents sometimes don't know how to connect with their their grandchildren. So. That's another sort of thought, but I think the whole thing to me is just spending time together, you know, and and telling stories is such a, a one. Telling stories and playing games, great, great things to do together, you know. Grandparents, parents, children, we can all play games together. We can also share stories, you know, those things that are really simple, those human things that bring us together. It doesn't have to be complicated. I love it, Andy. So good. Well, I know you've got some pizzas to crank out tonight, so I do. Let's land it here, shall we? It's been uh, great chatting again. Um, I really enjoy spending time with you, Rich. So thank you for the invitation to be on your podcast. Well, thanks for listening. If you're interested in connecting with Andy or reading Andy's book, Connecting with Your Teens, I'll put a link to it in the show notes at thedadmindset.com. Before we go, If you're in Australia and looking for a way to better manage how your kids deal with pocket money and spending, I can't recommend a Spriggy debit card enough. They're brilliant. If you'd like to give one a go, it's usually $30 to get a debit card for each child. But if you click the link on this week's episode in the show notes or go to thedadmindset.com forward slash useful stuff or one word, you can get $20 back when you sign up. If this episode has resonated with you and you haven't already, the thing that you can do to help the most is to subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify. Sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends is, of course, awesome and super helpful. Quick update. The kids started their new school this week. I have to say it was a bit of a journey for me because whilst the kids were having a great time and loving it, I did have doubts about two days in about what the heck we'd done because we'd ripped them away from something pretty darn good and essentially burnt the boats in an effort to move to something amazing. I just realized that we'd been focusing all on this really positive toward goal and I just really hadn't paid much attention to what would happen if things didn't work out and the the repercussions and uh, yeah, it sort of all caught up with me on probably Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, didn't feel epic, but I know now that the kids are having a whale of a time. They love it. And the staff at the school are just phenomenal. And so I have faith that we've made the right call. But yeah, 2 a.m. Wednesday morning definitely didn't feel that way. (laughs) Anyway, enough from me. I hope you have a great week and enjoy your caffeinated beverage. (music) 